Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Soon to head to Nashville for the draft. The Blue Jackets, of course, with the number three overall selection. Curious what your thoughts are. The Blue Jackets have already had a pretty momentous offseason, and it's really just getting started. I don't know what else they've got in store uh, necessarily, but they've already been one of the busier teams. It's going to look like a different defense next year, and thank God for that. Damon Severson, Damon Severson, sorry, I'll get that right, coming into the fold with the trade with New Jersey. He was headed to free agency. The Blue Jackets moved to get him before he hit the market. Ivan Provorov, who was in town uh, this week for the first time uh, over at Nationwide, He's acquired from Philadelphia as part of a three-team trade. Uh, so there's a, a a whole new defensive pair on the back end. There's a there's a new coach, uh, Mike Babcock, that should be announced here in oh I don't know a week or so, and July first at, at the earliest. And it, as we reported in this in the uh, Sunday gathering, it looks like for now the plan is to keep the assistant coaching staff in place. Um, they all have a year remaining on their contracts. If if it's clear later this summer that things aren't working for whatever reason, I can, of course they have the, the right to make a change. But I think the plan as of now is to stick with the current staff uh, of assistants through this year. So Pascal Vincent, who has twice interviewed for the job here, when Larson got it, now when Bab- Babcock got it, and obviously didn't get it, is back as an associate coach. And Steve McCarthy back on uh, defense as the coach. And Kenny McCutton and, and Jared Bowl as the additional assistants. So see where that goes. But for now, that appears to be the plan. Uh, we can talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. That number three pick, what are you thinking? Um, if, if you can, if you think of it, uh, tell me who you think the Blue Jackets should take at three. Realistically, don't give me Bedard. That's not happening. Um, but I'm curious to see what the sort of unofficial poll is of what Blue Jackets fans would like to do with that number three pick. Do the Blue Jackets move up? Can they move up? Do they move down? Does it make any sense to move down? It's probably most likely that, that they stay put, but there are reasons, justifications uh, for moving either direction. Is there any way you could justify trading out of that pick entirely for immediate help? Johnny Gaudreau's coming into his second year with the Blue Jackets. If you draft a center now and it takes him two, three years to get up to speed, what have you done with the first half of Gaudreau's time in Columbus? Things to weigh, things to consider. Um, curious to get your thoughts on all of that. You can leave a text message uh, through the app on this doohickey. You guys know how this thing works. Or you can step up on stage and, and ask your question in person. Uh, heading to the draft on Monday. The draft this year is on Wednesday, so be be uh, heads up there. It's not on a Friday as per usual. It is on Wednesday. Uh, I'm not sure why. Probably TV, um, but it, it's a it's going to be. I think a lot of a lot of um, drama at this draft. That I'm not sure if this draft starts at two. If Fantilli is set on going to Anaheim or if Anaheim is set on Fantilli, then the draft probably starts at three. 
And what will the Blue Jackets do? But it could start at two. I think there's still people who aren't sure what Anaheim is doing at two. So there could be some draft floor excitement. Uh, if the Blue Jackets don't, uh, if they do hang on to that pick, if they don't trade for immediate help, I don't think they do. But there's, I guess, a distant, distant, distant outside chance they could do that. Yarmo Kekalainen has said, and it's it seems fair, he'd have to be blown away. But if they if they do draft a future player, so if it's Carlson or Smith or even Fantilli at three, do you want them to plunge into free agency uh, at center or the trade market at center? How desperate a need is this in your opinion? Uh, so let's let's get going. We can go for a little while here, and, and we'll do something from. We'll be on alert in Nashville. Should the Blue Jackets make another big move, we can do a, a short notice. Um, Live room for sure. Uh, we'll go first to James M. Here on stage. James, you are on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Go ahead, please. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Hey, um, I thought you raised a really interesting uh, question about this morning in the article about what we would do with the third overall pick. And I, I you know, personally, just to get this out of like my opinion is you, you have to stay put and take it because I don't know that there's a gulf between Vantilli and Carlson the way that maybe we've been led to believe. I think Vantilli's the better prospect based on what I've watched. But, you know, all in all, the more I read, the more I watch, it feels like you're getting a really good player there. So, like, is the risk of giving up assets to move up or, you know, do something to move back worth it? In my opinion, no. Um, and so to your question a few minutes ago, where you say, you know, could they trade out of the pick entirely? I wouldn't, but also I, you know, I do think that we've gotten to a point where they've made enough moves on the defense where you have to do something at center, um, because you've, you've, you've made some, I, I wouldn't call them win now moves, but you've made some moves that point to, you have to do something to be more competitive this year. Otherwise those, those moves on the back end don't make a ton of sense in my opinion. So with that said, you know, what do you think is realistic? Are they looking for a stop gap? Like, would they be looking for like a two C that could be a stop gap as you see if potentially Fantilli or Carlson could play this year, or would they be looking for a larger move, a win home, a, um, like you said, signing someone in free agency, like a, Ryan O'Reilly, um, if you could somehow convince him to come to Columbus, you know, where, what do you think would make sense based on the pattern of moves Yarmouth shown right now? Yeah. So I guess I look at this in, in a bunch of different ways. The, the O'Reilly, the name is, is really impressive. And he jumps out because of his, his career, his leadership. I'm not sure any team would be wise to, I think he'll be paid like a top six center, but I'm not sure that there's much left in the tank to perform as a top six center anymore. There was quite a drop off last year. So that one concerns me. And honestly, most of the free agent market concerns me um, significantly. I, I prefer the trade route if that is possible. Um, I'll say this about the defense too. There's a sense with somebody with, with many that, that Yarmo's moves are win now moves, and and I think they were so bad last year defensively that these aren't these aren't win now moves. These are be competitive now moves. 
if that makes any sense. I, I think it's just, like, first of all, like Provorov is just a replacement for Gavrikov. Like that's really not an advancement. I'm nothing against Provorov at all. I'm just saying you've taken Gavrikov out and you've replaced him with Provorov. I think Provorov is a slightly more capable offensive player, certainly than Gavrikov is. Both really good players. I don't wish to slight them, but I think that's that is just sort of matching essentially what you lost with Gavrikov, and maybe a little better. Severson is a is a significant upgrade over what they had on the right side, but this team was so bad defensively that I, I to me this isn't about getting over the hump; it's about getting to the hump. It's just getting to the hump. It's being able to compete in the NHL, and I think they were just so far behind in that respect that they needed legitimate players just to be okay taken seriously now. Um, and I don't know seriously as a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, this is not going to be such an easy night. We're not going to play the entire night in their zone anymore. And so that's the progress there. But yeah, I almost viewed it as like the defense was so deficient. It was bordering on. It would have been irresponsible to bring up, yeah. let's say, a player like Juracek and put him into a position where there's literally nothing else around him aside Wierenski that's like even right. competent. So I wonder, that's kind of where I wonder on the front side, if they're looking more, you know, if they do make a move, if they're looking more for a stopgap that at least brings some respectability down the center of the ice to help some of these younger players develop. But yeah. to your point, the, the options in free agency are pretty limited. And the yeah. there are a lot of centers rumored on the trade market, but they also sound like they'd be quite expensive guys like Lindholm or Shifley or, or who, who have you. Right. And, and the tricky thing is if you if you sign a guy to be a 2C, I mean, they can use that for sure. For sure they can. But at some point, too, you're standing in the way of of Sillinger. You're standing in the way of, of maybe moving Johansson back to the middle. I don't, or sorry, Johansson, Jesus. You can tell I've been doing research today. I've got a whole list of former sons former center draft picks in front of me, uh, of, of putting Johnson back in the middle, which I don't think is next year either. But I don't want a three-year contract in the middle of the of the center depth chart to block these guys. Um, I don't even know what Voronkov is. I think he starts as a, as a third-line guy. I think many think at best, at best he's a second-line guy, but probably a, a good third-line guy. Um, and I, I, you know, the worst thing you would want to do is to spend money on a player like Ryan O'Reilly and have him need to be a third line center. You got enough of those. Um, so it's kind of a tricky thing. That's why I like the idea of trading and I want to see what becomes of the Lindholm situation in Calgary, because that that's looking, that's looking along with Philadelphia and Winnipeg, like it could be a rebuild situation. Um, and what that does to. Lindholm's availability, but even that's a tricky one. Does he? Does he come here? Do they give up the goods to get him without an extension? I would think not. Does he want to sign an extension that is not maxed out? I would think not. He'd probably rather go to a bona fide Stanley Cup contender if he's going to take a lesser less than eight year term with his new team. Uh, otherwise, just go to market. Um, I don't think Elias Lindholm was dying to come to Columbus. So something has to compel him to come here. It's all very 
a tricky spot for them. And it may come down to just drafting Carlson or Fantilli and hoping that these guys are ready quicker than you expect them to be. But James, thanks for the questions. Appreciate you, Cordy. Yeah, let's go to uh, Nick P. Nick, you are on the Front and Nationwide podcast, I think. Wait for you to pop back into the green side of the queue. If not, we'll go back to some questions. If you have a question, you can step to the stage and we'll try to bring you back in. I may have lost uh, may have lost you there. Okay, let's go to the uh, text messages. EM's, E&M says, how safe do you think Jenner's role as captain is with the organization? you get any sense that Babcock might shake up the leadership group? Well, I get no sense uh, from Babcock because there's been no conversation with Babcock as of yet. So just purely guessing what Babcock is thinking. And that would be a rather bold move coming right in initially anyways. I, I think I think Boo Jenner is Mike Babcock's kind of guy is my sense. Uh, knowing the coaching personality and style, certainly knowing the playing style. Um, I don't see the need for that, but I, I, I think Babcock is a strong enough personality to reconsider things if he doesn't think it's going in the right direction. I think the room needs louder people, and this is nothing against Boone. That's just not how he's wired. Uh, I think you'll probably see a different Good Branson this year. I hope you'll see a different Corrali this year. I think both of those guys. There's an immense amount of respect for Boone Jenner in that room. And I think a coach, a new coach who runs the the room, maybe in a more classically NHL style, tends to greenlight players like that to be more um, amplified in their leadership, where instead of taking a backseat and acquiescing to the to the captain. They need more of that. Maybe even Olivier can, is that kind of guy. He's a, he's a uh, passionate man. Uh, I get the sense your check grows into that eventually because every time I've talked to him after a loss, that is one pissed off hombre. Um, I mean, personally pissed off. And that's usually a, <laughs> usually a good sign. Um, I think we might have Nick back in the queue. Nick, did you get in there? Can I- yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? I got you. Go ahead, man. Um, I, I personally, I think um, just I, I don't know if you read my comment. I think Leo Carlson is just the the best pick for us. I think his, um, not even. I mean, I've never. You know, I'm just a hockey fan, but uh, I just find his personality along the lines of like almost like a Pavel Dotsuk or Henrik Zetterberg, a loyal kind of guy, which is what I think this team needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, listen, it, it's so strange how we build these draft drafts up, and we, we talk about these things incessantly to the point where we almost get bored with the idea of this player coming here. The Blue Jackets should be delighted to add a Leo Carlson type if it comes to that. And, and I, I think if if you're, I'm not the betting type. I know that makes me incredibly unfashionable these days, um, but if that's where I'd be putting my money. I think that's the most likely scenario. Uh, he's a big, same size as Fantilli. He does not play the same way. Uh, he is not a, he doesn't run guys over at all. He's mostly, most often compared to Nicholas Backstrom, uh, the center, not the goalie. And that's a good thing. That's a hell of a player to, to add to your organization. 
We need that kind of two-way responsibility. You yes, know, it makes everybody better as well. And a centerman, a number one centerman, absolutely, it's a it's a fine weekend if they come home from Nashville with Leo Carlson. So I've 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 read your article since before you even went to the Athletic, and uh, you're one of the best hockey writers that there is. I I'm on Sportsnet. Oh, I'm on Sportsnet all day, like every day. So um, appreciate it. You know, you already know what I mean, but. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, and I wouldn't be mad if we even did try to pursue the, uh, you know, Lindholm Gaudreau connection again. Yeah, and also draft a center. I mean, you need two centers, and I mean, at least, I mean, at least two. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and I think it's it, it's ideal if you can put Sillinger Johnson and those guys in the same position you've now put Juracek in, where if he's ready, it's great. And of course, there's room for them. If they're not, it's not the end of the world. You're not. There's no expectation there. Sillinger, it was a sobering season for him, uh, for everybody, but especially him and his his trajectory last year. I still think this is an NHL top six center. I agree for sure. Six center, um, probably a number two. I love the competitive spirit. I, I loved. Uh, the way he handled what he, what he went through last year was was uh, spectacular for a kid that age to have that sort of perspective and to, to grasp it like that. And I'm curious to see what his summer is like um, on the other side because I have a feeling it, it was a seriously big wake-up call for him. I agree with that. I, I also – I grew up in Toledo, so I grew up a Red Wings fan. I've been in Columbus for 12 years now. but So I watched yeah. Babcock. I watched the way he coached. I'm not that mad about the hire. I think he's yeah. not going to come in here looking to ruffle any feathers, but I think he's going to be a solid coach for it. He's, we're kind of going back to the Tortorella days a little bit, like with just yeah. his tough mental attitude, but I I think that's what we need in this town. Yeah. Well, I, I remember Babcock saying years ago, not everybody can score, but everybody can defend. And you're, there is no question. I have, My bold bold prediction in June is – this team allows 80 fewer goals than they did last year. I think it's going to be that that dramatic. Um, Our, they, the injuries also affected us yeah, so bad. I mean, not that we were that. going to be anything special, really. You know, I mean, it, we were, everybody was kind of expecting, you know, yeah. a little bit of a setback. But I mean, yeah. we had a lot of man games lost for sure. It was not that was not their team, not their team at all. Nick, thanks for the questions. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank thanks you for the kind words as well. Of and course, we'll get to. Uh, Andrew Y. in a second. Let's go back to the uh, text messages. Tim B. wants me to speak louder. I hope that's doing it for you, Tim. <laughs> um, Jeff Thank o you, says, sir. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, Jeff O. says, Aaron, thanks for taking the time. Based on Yarmo's recent moves and desire to get back in the playoffs, between the centers that should be available to us, does being NHL-ready trump long-term talent of the player? Well, I mean, that's... that's uh, that's the conundrum that the Blue Jackets have faced so many times. Listen, I, I my sense is that they take Nick, they take Leo, excuse me, Leo Carlson at three, or Will Smith at three, or Fantilli at three if he's there, and they're they're fine with it. And and if they can find a reasonable free agent center to add to the mix, then great. The one thing I'll say, and this is this is clear. We keep, you know, they draft they draft Carlson. Many think he's close to being ready, if not ready. 
Well, if the number three player makes the, the player you take at number three makes the roster, and you go out and add a center, say by free agency, you now have eighteen forwards with expectations of making the roster. And some of you are saying, "So what? Good competition." Well, that's true. But what do you do with the guys that don't make the roster? Not all of them can go to the minor leagues. And some of the guys that can go to the minor leagues, you don't want going to the minor leagues because they're your best players. Marchenko can go to the minors. I don't think he's going to the minors. Uh, Chinikov can go to the minors. I think they expect him to be a player this year. Um, I think Sillinger, yes, yeah, Sillinger can still go without waivers. He's got a few more games he can play before that. The expectation is that he's one of your centers this year. Uh, so Texier's back, right? Now, can Yarmo, if he signs a free, we, I think they're trading Jack Roslovic at some point this summer. Anyways, if they trade, if they acquire a center through free agency, well, now they've got to make some moves because they are way overcrowded. The back end, they've got eight guys on one-way contracts, or eight guys, I should say, with the expectation of playing in the NHL this year, not the player, but the team. So I'm counting Blankenberg. He's on a one-way. I'm counting Peak, of course. Now, these are guys that don't have to make the lineup, of course, but they're, you're paying them. Peak's making 2.75. And those eight guys, it does not count David Yerichek, who they think has a chance. So I would say if, if, if they do step into the free agent market, be on high alert for them to be making a multiplayer trader or try to. And maybe there are some teams out there, this is a story for after the draft, with not a lot of cap room and the need for bodies because Columbus could help them with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's go back to the stage for Andrew why, Andrew, why you are on front and nationwide. Hey, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good, Andrew. How are you? Good. So, um, obviously, the big center talk. Um, obviously, with the, you know, everybody's talking about the Lindholm thing with, with Calgary um, yep. and, and kind of the, the Johnny Gaudreau thing. Here, here's the way I, I see it. It's basically, um, you can't run it back. You can, but it's not good to run it back with Jenner and with with Rosovic being your one and two. And I don't, I don't think you can count on, you know, you know, somebody coming in, you know, a, a draft plus one or a draft, you know, like a Leo Carlson or a Fintilli coming in and stealing the 2C role. Um, I, I don't think that that's a, that's a realistic strategy. I mean, um, that's something that that's something to think about. And as you just said, you know, you're going to have to 
you have so many guys up front. I don't think you go sign a guy in free agency. I think it's more of a trade. It has to be a hockey trade where you're trading some stuff off. Um, the only way I think makes sense on trading the number three pick is if you'd went to something like a, like a, like a Vancouver where you're doing like an, you know, an Elias Pettersson who's very young, still on an RFA and you're trading like the third overall pick for like a, for like an Elias Pettersson like signed, who's basically a, a bonafide one C. Yep. You're, you're you're coming in and starting I mean, that would be the only way I could see them trade trading it. I would not see them trading out of the three for any other any other uh, reason in order to do that or trade that third overall pick, even for Elias Pettersson. I mean, even for um, even for a Lindholm. Um, yeah. But if the Lindholm thing does happen, I I would say you're you're going to have to look at trading trading you know something like a cylinder because as you said, Elias you know, uh, Lindholm is a mid to low end one C. So you have him playing there while your drafted number three, Leo Carlson, let's just say that, um, is is getting up to speed, you know, a couple years before he slides into that role, uh, even as a two C and then moving up to the one C and then you slide Lindholm back. But that that that's a nice problem to have that we've never ever had. And and with that, I mean, you can't count on, you know, love Jenner to death and and again Jenner's kind of the heart and soul of this team, and I can't say enough great things about about him. But him playing in the 1C and all the wear and tear on his body again this year, you worry about him being able to finish the season out. And let's just say, by happenstance, we make the we, we make a you know, wild card and, and get into it. Do you actually see him being able to go into the wild card with with the way he's, you know, the way he plays and the way he's, you know, his his body's been holding up? Do you actually see him being able to, to go into a run like that? I don't. And and so that that's not something to bank off of either. Um, so that's where I'm saying there there has to be some something has to be done with with the with the center position, you know, during this offseason in order to go into it. You can't count on, like I said, a drafted number three to come in and just all of a sudden assume a role. Yeah, no, and, and those are all good points and and often forgotten in all this is the flip side of all this. Why would Vancouver give up Pedersen, who is I'd have to look at his contract details on the great cap friendly, but I believe he's signed long term. He, 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 he's not. He, he's got one young? more year, and then he has. He's, he's up for contract again. Okay, is he RFA? Uh, he's an RFA, but he's a seven million. Yeah, so he's going to want to. He's going to want to bump. Yeah, sure, sure. But I, so you've got club control, which is a key in all of this. But why would why would Vancouver trade out of a an established player? For they, I don't want to say a question mark, but why would they do that? They would, they wouldn't. That's why I said that's, that was the only one that would make any sense to trade out like a number three, right? Where I'm saying yeah, right, right. young enough, they would not, they would not, yeah. And that's why this is all kind of a conundrum here. So, you, you don't, you can't see exactly how the pieces fit right now, and things are going to have to, things are going to have to get moving here. And I suspect that they will, but it's not a perfect situation. The, 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 it, this gets back to Jarmo Kekalainen's often said quote, the only way to get a number one center is to draft him. And he's not wrong. Uh, there are very rare opportunities otherwise to get them. Most likely for a, a market like Columbus, a team like Columbus, it's certainly a team in the situation of Columbus, it's to draft them. Um, he's not wrong there. But the, what would be nice would be for the Blue Jackets to draft a, a center in the top 10, which they've done before many times. Uh, but this time, 
first of all, nail it. Like they missed badly with Brule. Um, and second of all, hang on to them because they they traded Johansson, they traded Dubois for various and sundry reasons. But Andrew, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Um, we'll go back to the uh, text message portion here. Donald B says Fantilli has stated he's going back to Michigan. Uh, he has not, uh, that I have heard. If he's dropping the third, the Blue Jackets, my sense is they will take him. Um, but he has said he's going to. I and a I, I don't want to say I, I think the kid's lying because I'm not accusing him of that. <laughs> but he has said he wants to talk to the team that drafts him about what's best for him next. But he would love to go back to Michigan. He has great options. I think this is a young man being respectful of a college that he loved, an experience he loved. I think you're going to see him in the NHL next year, but we shall see. I guess it depends on where he ends up. But it looks like there are rumblings that Peak has emerged as the most sought after jacket in the trade market. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I think the Blue Jackets right now envision some combination of Boakvist. And in no particular order, uh, other than alphabetical, Bogfist, Yurichek, and Sever- Severson as their top four on the right side. Peak is, if you look, he probably gets the squeeze because you know Good Branson's going to play. Um, so the Blue Jackets have some expendable pieces. I don't think they want to trade Blankenberg. I think they really like Blankenberg, and I don't think they can trade uh, Jake Bean after his. Shoulder surgery. Not that he's damaged goods, but he hasn't played in almost a year. I think teams would want to see him first. So, um, yeah, I mean, Peak getting traded does make sense. And William E says, was Peak plus minus so bad because he played up in the lineup? Well, yes, uh, and also because he played in the lineup. If I may, if I can be that guy. They bled goals last year, right? I don't. Did anyone have a plus? Could anyone have a plus on this team? And I'll say this about Peak: like he is, he has been, he is an absolute willing. Uh, I hate to say combatant because that that may overstate things. This is hockey, not war. But he, the kid, busts his ass every night. He does. He blocks shots. He throws his body around. He is a tough hombre. And I, one thing I respect about players like that is. At the end of every game, there are some guys, I'm not sure you can say this about, but that dude empties the tank every night. He does. His tank's not as big as some other guys in this league. That is for damn sure. But he is, you've, you've got the whole of Andrew Peak on a nightly basis. Uh, limited player, no, not an offensive player by any stretch, but a, a, a player that, that will donate his body to the cause. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see some teams especially some big, some teams looking for size and some teams that play that way out West, uh, having an interest in, in peak. Absolutely. Um, I think the blue jackets have plenty of heft on the back end now with, um, Provorov's a pretty thick dude. Severson's a decent sized guy. Good Branson's a monster. Your a big kid, a big physical kid. When he, when he gets his bearings in the NHL, so, um, Kyle Z says, do you see the team being active in free agency given the amount of forwards and defense currently on the roster? 
Well, I think they're looking to get better, Kyle. I think they're. I think if if it's a move that makes them better, then you do that and you make the uh, the follow up move as as necessary. I don't want to compare it because this was such a unique situation last year. But you know, if Johnny Gaudreau wants to come to your hockey team, you make it happen, and then you deal with the fallout. Now, the fallout last year was a little more extreme than they would have wanted. York Strand. Um, but yeah, if you have a chance to to add a difference maker, you get that done, and then you worry about the other, the follow up move. However, that has to happen, even if it's a buyout necessarily. Um, so I, I, the thing, the problem with free agency is it's anymore. There's so many teams sign their guys to to long term contracts that it it's the best players just don't move around much. Right. I mean, look at Cam, Cam Severs or Damon Severson's a hell of a player. I don't want to take anything away from him. But he's not a Norris Trophy candidate. And yet the demand for him was such as a free agent that the Blue Jackets felt they needed to get ahead of the curve. Right. Another way to say it is the scarcity of good defensemen hitting the market was such that the Blue Jackets felt they needed to be out front and aggressive to get him before he hit the market. They didn't want to be in competition with 8, 12 other teams on July 1st. Um, and that's just where it's gone because you know these guys just don't hit the market anymore. Uh, I, mean, I tried to make a list of free agents, free agent centers that were available. I got so damn depressed. Ryan O'Reilly, JT Comfort, Eric Holler. Where else are you going to go? I mean, we're talking at best number twos here. And it's going to be a crazy market. Those guys are going to get paid. Hey, hey. And yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, for agency, is not what it used to be. The trade market is probably the best way to get difference-making players. Um, Sean M. says, I don't see any way Yarmo looks for immediate 1C help. I understand wanting to get the most out of Johnny Gaudreau, but it's got to be too expensive. Well, there's he's looking for sure. He's looking, Sean. I mean, you don't see any way he even looks for it. He's looking. I'm not sure if he gets it done. Um, but you can, yeah, yeah. Of course, he's looking. Um, Johnny H says question about the athletic article rating. Uh, awesome man. Oh yeah, at the bottom there, the the smiley. Smiley faces. What impact, if any, does that have on the author? Are writers affected in any way by those? You know what, Johnny? I I should probably know this. Um, and I'm sure somebody somewhere looks at that metric and and measures and ways. I I my sense though is that they've learned not to take um how to say this, not to take that too ultra seriously because it's an interesting thing to me um if we write a story that the blue jackets have acquired johnny gaudreau and i may have done a terrible job with the story that's perfectly possible you're still gonna love the story because you'll love the story (laughs) if when oliver bjorkstrand got traded it doesn't matter how well that article is written 
boy, there could be some just gorgeous turns of phrases in there. It could be wonderfully organized in terms of thought and flow and all of these things. Um, you're still not going to like it. And a lot of people were, were, a lot of people have a tendency to vote, if that's what you want to call that, or to opine at the bottom of the article based upon whether they liked the news or didn't like the news, not how well uh, they thought the story was told. So that those buttons are there. Um, and I'm sure somebody somewhere looks at the, the data. This is a very data-driven company. But I've never been, put it this way, I've never been told, hey, you got to clean up, you got to clean up this. Nobody liked your such and such article. You got a lot of meh on that one. Um, I've not heard that. Um, and I, I, and I think that's why. I think that's why. Sean M says, I saw the article from Shana about Hayes and who should be interested. Yes, that was Shana. Uh, I feel like I'd need at least 50% retained and no more than a third. Yeah. So Kevin Hayes, we've, we've, um, this is the name that's been sort of floating about Columbus since the trade deadline. And I, I don't know. If, yeah. I've, I've kind of poo-pooed it from the start and, and I don't think it's the absolute worst idea. I just don't think it, it makes a ton of sense. I'm with you. I think Philly's got to eat 50% at least. And then I still don't like the term. Still has three years left. And that would, if they eat half of it, we're talking 3.5, 3.55, something like that. I don't think he's a Mike Babcock player. Just being honest. I, he is, um, I'm not sure he is as hard driven as, as the Blue Jackets would want. Now, could it happen? It could happen. It could happen. I think it's unlikely. But we shall see. If they exhaust all of their efforts and Hayes is still sitting there and they think, well, you know, God, he does make us better down the middle, then maybe they make the move. Um, but it would, it would have to be a significant help on the salary. And with three years left, yeah, I would think 50% at minimum. Uh, Jonathan C. says, hearing rumors about the Ducks going with Leo. Thoughts about this? Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it is a possibility. I, I, I'm sure the Ducks know what they're doing. I hope the Ducks know what they're doing. But uh, there are, I've heard the saying that, that it's, it's not a, it's not the slam dunk that it's Fantilli. So now, if you're the Blue Jackets, this is—I think this is the maybe the most interesting part of the draft. I love this. I love this. Maybe I watch too much Succession, but I love the uh, the play here. If you're Yarmo, and you're sitting at three, and first of all, we're we're, we're in order to even think that this is a possibility, you have to have. A certain beliefs in place. In other words, you have to believe that the Blue Jackets do feel that Fantilli is clearly the better player. Or, put another way, that one of those guys is clearly better than the other two and worth giving up something to get to two. If you're the Ducks, you have to believe that there's really not a big difference between a guy you can get at two 
And if you're dealing with the Blue Jackets, a guy you can get at three. Okay. Now, from the Blue Jackets' perspective, the moment you call Pat Verbeek and say, What are you thinking with the number two? Pat Verbeek knows you're interested in the number two. Right. So, my sense is the play here is to be coy. And you go as long as you can without saying a word to Verbeek. Uh, you want him to come to you about trading down. And I get it, that's unlikely. But if he, again, if he's a Carlson guy and he thinks you're in love with Fantilli and he, he just wants Carlson and he can get him at three, then why not add something else to his stockpile uh, to drop back just one spot in the draft? So I don't think that is out of the question, but all of those variables have to be in place. If you're Yarmo, I think you have to be careful. You don't want to avoid that conversation so long that San Jose has an opportunity to move up to two. But from Anaheim's perspective, going from two to three is a whole different world from going from to two to four. A whole different world. But not if they think all three of those guys are equals, Smith, Carlson, Fantilli. My sense is they don't. I've been told that San Jose has no interest in moving up to three. I can't imagine the Blue Jackets would even entertain going to five unless they knew that Meechkoff would be one of the first four picks. In other words, they're not going to go to five if there's any risk that they whiff on those centers. Uh, the centers being Fantilli, Carlson, and Smith. So, and, and I go back to the 2016 draft with Dubois when the Blue Jackets were third. And I think they moved up from fourth to third in that draft order. And it was a rather muted celebration going up to third they, they weren't really that excited because they didn't in hindsight we know now why they tried to move out of the number three pick and they were willing to go to four they would have traded with edmonton they could have convinced edmonton that they were going to take pull you yarvi i don't think edmonton believed them so columbus stayed at three because they didn't want to trade to five which was vancouver they were fairly certain that Vancouver would at least consider taking Dubois. And so Yarmo tried to move back to four, couldn't get it done. So he stayed put at three and he drafted Dubois. And you, <laughs> you remember the response from the draft floor because that was supposed to be the big three. Uh, now we can say in hindsight, uh, in one sense, Yarmo Kekalainen was right. Who wouldn't rather have Pierre Luc Dubois than Jesse Pouillardvi? Come on, he nailed that one. Um, he was in the very much in the minority and was right. Now, Dubois turned out as he did, no longer here, now asking out of another market. Um, so he's got his own issues, but but uh yeah, it it's um interesting. Yarmo is willing to be creative. I still think all things considered, and there's an article basically expressing all of these thoughts and, and more. On the athletic posted this morning, um, move up, move down, 
stay put. What are they going to do? What can they do? How can you justify each of these moves? And there's a way to justify each of them. Um, I still think the most likely is that they stay put at, at number three. Um, we've got a couple back on the stage. We'll get to another text question, and then we'll go We'll go to Paul B. So Paul B., uh, be on alert. also want to say congratulations to former Blue Jackets coach Ken Hitchcock. Uh, announced this week that he will be uh, going to the Hall of Fame and very deserving. Very deserving. Um, Aaron S. says, Craig Button's mock draft on TSN suggests Carlson going third, but suggested he needs one more year in Sweden. Um, I think Leo Carlson with his play, this is a quote from, from Craig Button. I think Leo Carlson with his playmaking ability, much like, here it is again, Nicholas Backstrom did for Alexander Ovechkin. I think he can do that for Patrick Laine. How about that? Um, yeah, so I, I know a few people and, and some people in Sweden who think that Carlson could use another year. Of course he could. It's not going to hurt him. Uh, to have another year outside the NHL. He's a big kid. He's also a real thin kid. Um, he does not have the musculature or carriage that uh, Fantelli has. That's fine. We're all built differently. Um, yeah, I think the team's going to decide after once he's drafted, whoever drafts him is going to decide what is best for him. I think there, of course, there are people who think he should go back to Sweden. It's hard to argue with that. Um, there are people who think that Sillinger should have gone back to junior. Hey, um, yeah, I, I don't think uh, a patient development path is really ever a bad thing. Um, so, Donald B says, "Do we have any word on these reports about Fantilli going back to Michigan?" Oh yeah, uh, no, uh, no reports, and there are no reports. I'm sure on this until after. The draft. So he gets drafted by a team. He meets with that team and the team says, here's what we're thinking. And most of these teams, believe it or not, will abide the player's wishes. The agent has a say as well. The family, of course, has a say. Um, but we'll, we'll learn about Fantilli for sure. But I, I would be surprised if he goes back. But I've been surprised before. Um, Let's see. Okay, let's go to that. We warned Paul B. to be ready. Let's bring him in here. Paul B., you are on front and nationwide. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Porty. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. So one of my favorite things that really fascinates me is at the end of the – when all the playoffs are over and the series are over and you hear the guys uh, um, end-of-season press conferences and they go over the injuries that they were playing with. (laughs) Throughout the entire yeah. pr- the entire uh, playoffs, yeah, yeah, and I'm baffled by it because like you just got to be an absolute savage to just play a hockey game with a cracked sternum. I've broken ribs before; I couldn't move. I I don't know how you play an actual hockey game. <laughs> and you know, one guy I think they said he had his broken a broken foot since the first series. Right. It's just yeah. incredible that they can do that. Do these guys get this? Is this like, help me understand a hockey player. How do they do this? Is it kind of ingrained in them through growing up in hockey culture? Is it just, you know, they go out, they'll do anything they can for the team. Do they, are there limits that 
teams have for these guys where like, okay, well, if you can't dress yourself, male, you can't play. Uh, I just, it's amazing to me. Yeah. So I'll say this, not to minimize anyone's broken foot and playing through it, but there are certain foot injuries where you, there are bones in your feet. And I don't know how you broke it. If it was like by a puck or getting twisted or whatever, that are not load bearing uh, bones in the foot that people can walk. He probably wore a boot away from the arena to protect it. It's a little, it's more than a little crazy. I'll never forget this one. The first, it was pretty early in the Blue Jackets. I want to say the first year. And Esmond Knudsen was struck by a deflected puck that hit him. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on what the top bone of the jaw is called. Right beneath the nose, basically where his teeth come out of the top of his head. And it cracked, the force of it cracked the roof of his mouth and shoved part of the his teeth and his the, the upper part of his jaw um, back. And he's bleeding profusely. He goes running off, skating off the ice at, at max speed, towel to his face. And this, he told later the doctors um, basically held him down on the training table and pulled his jaw back into place because it was a risk to keep it out of place. And it hurt like hell. And of course it did. The story of it hurts like hell. Um, but these are hockey players. The next day, the Blue Jackets are in Columbus. I think it's a Sunday. I jokingly say to the Blue Jackets PR guy, Todd Chirac, is Esmond Knudsen talking? And he disappears into the back room. And lo and behold, 10 minutes later, here comes Esmond Knudsen with his mouth wired shut with... Um, barely able to speak, but he did an interview, wanted to do an interview, felt like he wanted to tell people he was okay and express, um, his thanks for the well wishes. And I'm going, I'm, I'm just going, Oh my God. Like I would still be in a fetal position in Nashville somewhere. Um, and he played, he played like two nights later with the face guard on. And it's, it is, uh, it's incredible. It is part of the package. It's part of the way they are wired. Uh, I think it was I think it was Kachuk that played part of a game with the fractured sternum. How the hell do you do that? How do you stand up? Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I think they know. said he, he's he fractured it on a hit in Game Three, and he's and he's the one that ended up scoring that game winner in overtime too. Think about that. Yeah. So but, I also have two other thoughts here on the flip side of all this, that you do have to wonder what they're taking to get through. I don't want to, I'm certainly in no position to question medical staffs or what they're doing, the safety of it. They, I don't know anything about any of that, but they're obviously masking pain. Players obviously mask pain uh, to play. And sometimes I worry about us celebrating some of this stuff too much to glorify it because there are times when a player needs to be needs to be told and needs to feel that it's okay to say guys i'm out i'm just out um that's how you get guys playing through concussions and head injuries and shit they should not be playing through so that's my only concern with with sort of celebrating 
this, but they it is a they are a different different breed. I'll never forget Keith Kachuk taking Kevin Deneen's knee out on the furthest part of the ice away from the Columbus Blue Jackets bench. I think this was year two. And Deneen basically crawling across the ice, using his stick to drag himself across the ice and waving off the trainers and pulling himself on the bench and then accepting help back into the room and had season-ending knee surgery and talked to him a few days later and asked him, what, what's that about? And he said, I didn't want, I figured it might be the last time I was on the ice and I didn't want help getting off. And like, that's just, that was the mentality. Uh, immediately in that situation. And many of us, myself included, would be screaming and howling like a baby, uh, needing a stretcher, n- nothing short of a stretcher to get off the ice. And it's just the mentality of the way that these guys are, are wired and they're, it's part of the culture. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. I, I still will never forget. I was in attendance when Calvert, Matty Calvert, took that slap shot yeah. in the face and Ended up coming back and scoring the game winner with a forehead. Right. It's just like, what the and, hell is this? Yeah, and, and back to the earlier point, I, I, you may not want to hear this. He doesn't remember it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I, you got to wonder. And I'm that sure whole, I, I get, you got to hope that the, the trainers are – the trainers certainly will – I'm sure they step in and keep these guys from – Doing things they they shouldn't be because you know, hockey players, like I don't think. know, they could lose a finger, or lose a hand, and they'll be like, "No, just put a band aid on it. I'm fine. Let's go. I got to yeah. get out there." That's <laughs> incredible. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Lichtowski fractured a finger, um, and was t- <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, he's now an assistant coach somewhere in Montreal, maybe. He was given the option. Uh, this is when he played for the Blue Jackets, who were like it's like twelve thirty six and one. He fractures a finger, and they say, you can have the finger pinky. You can have it amputated, and you can be back to play in like a week and a half, two weeks. Or we can reset the bone, and you'll be out six to eight weeks. It's like, good God. I think I'll have it reset, thank you. Like, I'm not giving up a finger. You know, that's but that's that was presented to him as an option, which is incredible. <laughs> that really is. I do I, couldn't even he made the right decision <laughs> yeah yes. but you know what if it's the stanley cup and it's it's uh it's the third round and they say hey maybe you could be back for the final who's to say what he would have done who's that would have been yeah it's a good thing it happened in regular season I, and i tell you what i can't help but hear like these stories and you hear about these things these guys play through and i know there's like financial things that are out of between the league and the NHLPA and stuff like that, and they'll figure it all out. But man, I can't help but feel like these guys are woefully underpaid for what they do. Yeah, I'll say this: like when you, when you when you have a front row seat to it, you you do you see things that they go through. Um, honestly, just to be able to play, that's the stuff that sort that would sort out most people. It's the abilities that they have for sure. But it the work that they put in the 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 staying ready the preparedness the the pain that they go through to play the game is almost the, to me the what weeds out the pretenders more than 
the skill and the ability that they show on the ice, which is incredibly impressive too. But yeah, it's all there. Um, Paul, thanks for the, thanks for the questions. And we'll go back to the, uh, we got a few more minutes here. We'll hammer through a few. Uh, Jordan Z says, um, well, let me get to this. I think I just sailed right over it here. Jonathan C any more about the rampant shoulder injuries that hit us, uh, this year? Nothing specific to the shoulders. I did ask Yarmo, I'll have this in the Sunday notes column this week uh, about what they found, if anything, when they looked at all of their injuries to see if there was any sort of commonality, anything that they've done wrong. Um, it's not like it was in previous years with the groins where they said, we got to change this. Um, soft tissue injuries are difficult. I'm not sure they're preventable. Uh, or they are preventable. Sorry, it's the it's the other ones that they suffered through this year that that you just can't really prepare for. Um, you know, Hawarinski was injured. It's not like he's he was injured because he was out of shape. It's an awful, awful, awkward collision. Jordan Z says if Fantilli is the guy, and Anaheim is unsure about Fantilli or Carlson Michkov. The Blue Jackets should do whatever it takes to trade up for Fantilli. This is a chance to get a big combative 1C. Jordan, you sing my song, my man. I'm a huge Fantilli guy. I love the fact that that he plays with an edge. Um, that just doesn't go away. Jonathan C. says, are we likely trading a defender? Wierenski, Bean, Boakvist, Severson, Provorov. You name the D. Um, yeah, I think someone gets traded. I think uh, Peak is likely. I think Boakvist is a possibility, but not an obvious choice. I don't think they want to. What's the status of Tim Bernie? I believe Tim Bernie is an RFA, so he'll likely get a qualifying offer and be back with the club if he wishes to be. Matthew M. says, what do we think about starting Sillinger and Orchinikov in the AHL? Trey Fix-Walensky absolutely lit up the AHL last year, and he was the only guy under 23 to do so. He feels like a clear waiver pickup for teams looking for a low-risk, high-reward option. There's a very real chance that all of Foodie, Bemstrom, and TFW could be claiming on waivers. If Sillinger, Chinikov aren't in the top six, why not? Um, well, I don't, I don't think... I mean, it, it's up to those guys in camp, right? And, and we all have to be uh, on alert here because... There's a new coach looking at this. That's that's usually a real motivator for players. Not that either of those guys need a motivation, but that's a real motivator for players. There are jobs up for grabs with a new evaluator in town. So training camp is going to be very interesting this year. Um, and it's the same for Fix Wolanski. It's the same for Foodie. These guys, come to camp. Grab your spot, man. Um I don't think they want to lose these guys on waivers, but it's also a, a reason, as we've talked about with, with trades, like they basically ate foodie in the NHL for three months last year before he was really a contributing player because they didn't want to lose him on waivers. And in and, and their defense, he came on at the end of the season. He started to look like he was a, a, a decent bottom six player. Um, so... Yeah, I think training camp this year is going to be fantastically interesting um, at all over the ice, but especially at forward, where there's the competition uh, is legit, absolutely legit. 
Uh, Nick L says, Porty is a non-betting person. Which of these three $10 bets? Oh, God, here we go. These are real odds, by the way, he says. For next season, are you taking? Gaudreau wins the heart, pays 1000 Orensky wins the Norris, pays 1000 Or Elvis wins. Which, geez, do I, do I have to take one? Um, huh. I don't like any of those odds. Honestly, um, those are, Jesus, those are big awards, Nick. I mean, if I had to take one, had to take one, I think I'd probably put it on Wierenski just because of his ability to score goals and how attractive people, uh, that is to people who vote for the Norris. I think that's probably the most likely. I'm just not sure that Gaudreau has. Yeah, I mean, I don't like any of those, but if I had to bet one, I think it'd be Wierenski. Martin D says, how many points do the Blue Jackets improve this season, assuming they draft Carlson, make no other moves, and have a normal amount of injuries? Not a betting man, just trying to set my expectations. Boy, um, well, you said they make no further moves. Jeez, Martin. Um, what they have this year? 59? Are they 59 this year? Um, I think with no other moves, they are at 78 to 82. But I think there will be other moves. Uh, very curious as what you think about the Coyote situation and how you feel about Salt Lake. Um, yeah, I, you know, I feel, I feel really bad for the fans of the Coyotes. And I know, I know somebody right now is saying what fans, that's funny. I get you. They have fans and those people care about it desperately and they're heartbroken. I hate that it's come to this. I hate that the, that the future looks so bleak there. Um, the guy in Salt Lake city is not playing around. Um, and he's the kind of of extreme money and new money that the league, I think, would love to bring in. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by the situation in a way I guess I didn't expect to be intrigued. Uh, but I still think we're a, we're a long way away from from knowing where that's headed exactly. I see uh, uh, Baji K says I see Roslovic as being between a rock and a hard place. If he's still here when the season starts, well, you know what? I, I I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you there. Is he a two C? Is is he a three C? Of all the guys on this roster right now, this is before the draft. He's the one with the most potential to be a one C. And but he's got a he has a coach now that's not going to abide by the in and out play, especially early in the season. Not going to happen. It's going to be much more similar to Tortorella, I would suspect. Um, I think he's on the move this summer. I think many people think he's on the move this summer. I'm not sure of the destination. That's the tricky part. Are there, is there a team out there that still sees him as a potential 3C um, offensive spark? I think it's not out of the question, but we now have – we now have a resume. We, you know, we've seen the tape. It's there. There's a there's a um, boatload of data on Jack Rosovic and the player he is. If you've watched him play, my God, the kid has got ability and skill. He's, it's there. He can he can move. He can shoot. He can he can create. 
Um, it has yet to come together. And at some point, um, at some point, NHL teams still think they can fix it or they can bring it all together. And then there's a tipping point where they maybe stop thinking that. I'm not sure where we're at uh, in that regard, but he is a super talented player and you'd like to see it uh, work out here, if not somewhere else. Um, hey, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Good discussion. We'll uh, get together next week for sure. Again, if, if there's uh, big news coming out of Nashville, uh, we will respond to it with the live room. We can chat then. Uh, if not, we'll probably do it later in the week. I think I get home from from uh, Nashville on Friday. Is that right? That is Friday. So we may, if we don't get one done next week in Nashville, we may do it early the week after. Uh, just because of travel restrictions. Nobody wants to do one of these on a weekend. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the questions. And we'll be back with you again real soon. Take care.